This podcast is made on Darawal country, the unceded land of the Wadi Wadi people. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Are you at a career crossroads and thinking about what's next for you? For career change tips, stories and resources, sign up to our newsletter or check out our new online courses at whatshedidnext.com.au. I feel privileged every day to be doing something that I can see in various aspects makes a tangible difference to people's lives and being able to see, hopefully, yeah, the impact longer term. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of What She Did Next. I'm your host, Jackie Uwe, and this is a podcast where I talk to women about their inspiring career changes. want to make a difference in the world without leaving your corporate career? Be passionate about using your skills for good? This has been a driver for Marlene Raj throughout her working life as she's built a successful career in financial services. Marlene started out on a more traditional path, working in investment banking, but she soon discovered a passion for more people-centred roles that create positive change. This steered her into the social impact space. Today, Marlene has a multifaceted career, working as head of community engagement at a large bank and lending her skills to an array of not-for-profit boards. She's also a passionate advocate for diversity and inclusion, not to mention a long-time volunteer. Having spoken to many women who've chosen to leave the corporate sector to do work that feels more meaningful, I was curious to find out how Marlene has done things a little differently finding purpose in both her corporate roles and her board and advocacy work through a series of career transitions, rather than a big leap. She has tons of great insights for anyone wanting a more purposeful career, so please welcome from Sydney, Malini Raj. So Malini, you have created a very full and purposeful career for yourself, which I'm looking forward to chatting about today. But can you start just by telling us a bit about your background and what you were doing in your earlier career? Um, Yes, so I started out in investment banking after completing my degree in accounting and finance, so in an investment banking graduate recruitment program. I liked economics at school, so then that was my best subject and I wanted a career in business, so I thought investment banking was a good opportunity. Um, So in getting into the role, we went to training in New York, which is great. I met some amazing people and the work was really challenging. But I guess I found that it didn't really align to my values or what I was driven by. And I just slowly realised that in working for the role. I mean, time again, I probably would do it again because I did develop a solid foundation of technical skills, the networks, etc. But I think that more and more I realised that I needed to do something purposeful or I needed to kind of have a job that aligned to my values a little bit more. Mm. And so how did that start to unfold for you? Because as you said, you started on that more traditional path that I guess we all think of in terms of finance roles, but you sort of started steering towards uh, more people-centred roles, I guess. So yeah, how did that evolve and and what did you start to learn about yourself through exploring different opportunities? Yeah, I think that when I considered the investment banking role, I didn't think of anything about apart from like um, 
what job would I get at the end? So it was more like the traditional career path that um, we learn at school. But as I got more and more involved in, um, so I joined a, um, a peak body financial services organisation and was involved in the young finance professionals and getting to meet other people in the industry and hear about what they were doing and then promoting diversity and inclusion in the finance industry. And that was where I found like I could make a difference to people. I could, um, and then just meeting other people and creating those networks and those relationships, I found that that was what, that was, that was where my passion lay and that was where I really wanted to, um, I guess, pursue in terms of roles that more relationship building and more dealing with people and trying to make a difference to their lives. Mm. Well, I mean, you've had some really interesting sounding roles in that diversity and inclusion space, both within your core role and outside mm-hmm. of the organisation. I mean, I was looking at your, you know, your LinkedIn profile, you've been head of strategy for multicultural community banking, you're now the head of community engagement, and I believe you're still the chair of the cultural diversity network. I mean, can you talk a bit more about why that diversity and inclusion work became such a passion for you and how you have been able to weave that interest in different facets of your work? Yeah, I think that it was an evolution as to how I got involved in that. So slowly I got involved in different um, committees and internally and externally and I found that I really wanted to give a voice to those who are underrepresented and also to promote diversity and inclusion and the um, or realising the importance of diversity of thought in Mm. organisations and boardrooms and leadership. And also I didn't see many leaders who were like me and so you can't be what you can't see. So promoting that um, cultural diversity um, particularly, but just diversity in general is a real passion of mine and then opportunities arose to get involved in committees to promote that internally and externally and that was where I guess I got my fix of, uh, I guess, in, um, more impactful work in terms of while I wasn't necessarily getting that in my core role, I mm. found it elsewhere outside my core role. And then mm. that, I guess that snowballed into looking for board roles and looking for other opportunities. Um, and I guess also the passion for giving back. I started volunteering for the Starlight Foundation about 12 years ago every second weekend and I still do that today and just that passion for I guess making a difference or trying to make the lives of people who are going through a difficult time or less fortunate Mm. um, I guess that was kind of ingrained and that kind of drove me to find opportunities where I could do that in various kind of spheres. Well, I did want to talk a bit more about your board career because I know that sort of enabled you to bring both your corporate and your lived experience to Mm -hmm. the not-for-profit sector. And I think that's a really great area for women to consider who might be wanting more of that social impact in their career without necessarily giving up, you know, what they're doing in the corporate space or in their day-to-day role. I mean, for someone who may not have any experience of being on a board, could you share a little bit, I guess, about the roles that you had, but also what tends to be involved in being on a board? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that there's a couple of board roles. So so one, some of them have I've proactively sought after. So in 2013, I was diagnosed with Cushing's disease, which is a, a chronic illness that um, is caused by a tumour on your pituitary gland and it secretes um, high levels of cortisol. So 
it took me 20 years to get diagnosed with that and a long journey. Um, there's not much awareness out there of it, so it gets um, mistaken for different things. And so after my first operation, which was brain surgery, and it wasn't the best experience getting there and then that experience, I wanted to do my bit to make it easier for other people. So I just basically Googled and found the Australian Pituitary Foundation and reached out asking, and they were recruiting for board um, members at the time. And so I guess using my lived experience and also corporate experience, I felt like I could add a little value to the board and also just having that personal connection to it always um, makes a difference in terms of the board roles you get involved in because you have and alignment of values and so it all comes back to that alignment of values and purpose and non-for-profit boards they are small so they are more hands-on and you do get involved into the day-to-day operational tasks as well as the more strategic governance um, which is sometimes I mean in a traditional board the board makes the decisions and the operational um, side is run by the um, executive but in smaller boards, I think that it's um, you do get a little bit of your hands dirty, which is a good thing in in a sense to really understand the end and not end user, but end um, the people who are you're trying to help. Um, mm. And being one of them myself, it also it is well it was a little blurry because I know that like I was yeah wanting to connect with the patients to kind of share my also experience that I can um, help them with. So yeah, but. Mm. Um, and then there's other boards that I was involved in, um, the Peak Body for Financial Services. I was involved in a lot of their committees. And at that time, I was younger, a lot younger. <laughs> and so um, wanting to give that younger, diverse perspective onto the board, I thought that was an opportunity to give the voice of the up-and-coming financial services pipeline. So then that is considered in the strategy. So yeah, and because I was so involved, I got asked to be on the board there. And then there's other boards that I'm on. So, for example, one of my passions is supporting refugees and migrants. Um, I feel like they have so much to add in society, but often because of their lack of local qualifications or lack of local experience, they are often overlooked when they are very qualified. So um, getting involved in the Settlement Council of Australia is a peak body organisation for migrants and refugees was is a passion of mine as well. So I think that the board roles that I've got and involved in the theme, I guess, is to give a voice to those who are underrepresented or that those who I can advocate for and promote equality and inclusion. And, I mean, how much of your time or how much time do you need to commit to board roles? I mean, I'm sure it's different for each one, but, yeah, can you give a sense? I mean, you have a full-time job, yes. I gather. <laughs> And it sounds like you're committed to quite a few boards at the moment. I know, yeah. I know you've been on others over the years. So yeah. is there a general sort of time frame that's expected or is it just very varied depending on the role? It varies depending on the role. I guess I have the issue that all of these things that I'm involved in, I'm very passionate about. So I do find it so hard to say no, but generally a meeting every month which goes for about one to two hours and then reading board papers or then sometimes you're involved in subcommittees um, or certain projects that require additional hours so it does vary and then um, yeah some organizations 
So, for example, the Pituitary Foundation, there's patient support groups, and so I'm on a couple of subcommittees there. Mm. Um, and then we usually have a strategy planning session um, once a year where we get together potentially on a weekend or for a day or two and just um, plan ahead for the future. Yeah. So, yeah, it does vary and it just depends on the other board members, their skill sets mm. and how we divvy up the work. And they tend to be sort of for a period of time, right? It's two to three years, or I guess that Yeah, it depends well. on the constitution of each of the boards. So there's right. like terms and then you can be re-elected. So, yeah, it really depends on mm. the board. And do you find that these roles tend to be advertised? I mean, you said you were quite proactive and yours have come about in different ways. But, oh, I mean, I guess how have you found out about the roles that you've taken on generally? Yes, some of them I've been approached, some of them I've sought after. There are um, boards like that advertise, so like a job board, but Mm. for boards that do advertise. Okay. Um, But a lot of the time, potentially you do get recommended or like someone says, okay, well, I know this person who knows, who has this skill set, et cetera. So um, often it is through people recommending or people referring Mm. so yeah but it does vary but um that is why like I think that networking is really important and often it's not networking for a purpose initially it's just I guess I I I like meeting new people I like um, learning about different people's roles etc so when you go to functions it's just meeting new people and Mm. just and just telling them a bit about your background and not necessarily for any purpose about apart from just getting to know them and then sometimes you are on their radar for like when they come across a board role and then so, yeah. yeah. So it just, I guess it's, yeah, organically happens. But but then you can be proactive about it. Like if you find um, an organisation that you're passionate about that aligns to your purpose and values, you can always approach them, start out by volunteering um, that's often how a lot of people get involved. Like they start out volunteering with the tasks that they might or use their um, skills. So, for example, some organisations, they want business plans written or they want some sort of tasks where they don't necessarily have the skill set um, mm. in the nonprofit sector. So having, if you come from the corporate sector, you can, you do have skills that you don't necessarily realise that you have or realise that are valuable to boards. So having them, yeah, just approaching them and just doing something for them that in a volunteer capacity mm. and then um, as you add value and then you get more get involved in, in the board and see the alignment to values and whether you click with the kind of the management, et cetera, then you may have the opportunity. But there's yeah. various paths, like anything with a career or with um, boards, there's various paths to the end destination. So there's no one one way to get to where you want to get to. Mm. Well, I think that's partly why your story was so interesting to me because I love that you've employed so many different strategies really to create these opportunities for yourself. I mean, I know that you've said some things were sort of more opportunistic, like some yeah. things have come your way, but I do think you've been quite intentional in some yeah. of the yeah the ways that you've approached reshaping, I guess, your career mm. in different ways to to bring opportunities your way. Yeah, I think it's a lot of it has like unintentional in the sense that if something comes across my way, like like I did an accounting and finance degree, but if an opportunity came up that didn't use my accounting and finance degree, like 
if you do have like a rigid plan and say, okay, well, no, I'm only going to go down this path because I've studied this, mm. then I guess you miss out on certain opportunities where, yes, it might not be what you trained for, but it might be better suited to you or it might teach you different skills. So I figured that, yeah, a lot of things came across my like desk and I wasn't either looking like it was a role that I went, well, yes, it's not what I'm qualified for, but I might learn something and then it's not a waste of time. Mm. Um, and so it's important to have a loose plan. Pers- well, you can have a plan but also don't close out to opportunities which may not fit the plan because, I mean, ask me five years ago where, where I think I would have been, wouldn't wouldn't be here. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And, like, I guess the path, uh, the, the kind of role that I'm in now, there's no linear career path. There's no, they're, they're not traditional roles. Like that. It's not something that you go out of your school and say, I want to get into community engagement or I want to do this role. So yeah. it's it's something that evolves. And I think that the roles that people who are leaving uni and school now are going for didn't exist when when I left school. Well, I was going to ask you about that because it sounds like particularly your more recent roles at the bank where you work have quite a social impact sort of bent to them and I wondered if they even existed. I mean, you've been in, what, 20 years in financial yeah, services at this probably stage? probably not. I, I think that there's more focus on social impact now. People are wanting to give back more so like the younger generation, etc. They do mm. want to kind of have some sort of purpose in their lives. Like a lot of people are passionate about certain things, like passionate about climate, passionate about social change, passionate about social justice. That is, I think, even at school, it's taught more. And I think that also organisations and big corporations there, they need to be focused on social impact authentically and genuinely as their social license to operate like and it doesn't um potentially a while ago 20 years ago 30 years ago it potentially would have been seen as a tick the box exercise Mm. but now it's actually genuine authentic it is invested in and it is something that um we don't have to do it but Mm. we do it because it's important and also i mean focusing on or supporting our people in vulnerable circumstances or people who are less fortunate or people who have don't have equal access to in my case banking services but then that's um, applicable to any organization like health literacy digital literacy everything Um, it's really important that organizations don't consider yeah, to consider the minority cohort, cohorts because in actual fact the minority, what is seen was in, in the past as a minority, whether it's like multicultural, et cetera, is actually the majority now. Yeah. And COVID's also shown that everyone can be vulnerable, so designed for the most vulnerable, designed for everyone. So yeah. I think that the roles that I'm involved in potentially will hopefully only grow, mm. but then there's also other roles that didn't exist like um, artificial intelligence or um, yes. a lot of the technology roles, they didn't exist when I was went to uni or school and mm. uh, God knows what will happen in 20 years. Oh, so, my goodness, or not even yeah. 20 years. It all feels like it's coming very quickly. So <laughs> I think that's why I feel like your degree, what you um, study is important and it's, I mean, like it gets you 
a couple of steps, but don't you don't necessarily need to be wedded to what you've learned. You've obviously will apply some of that yeah. um, knowledge consciously or subconsciously, but then I think it's also a constant evolution, a constant um, focus on learning, whether it's by experience, whether it's by um, additional study, whether it's by just being uh, reading up or like however, but I think it's just constantly learning and, and finding where your passion is. I think that also there's a traditional way of like what is success or you've just got to find out what is success for you not what is success for everyone else and what like you leave school and you want to please your parents or you want to do something that society thinks is like going to get you a good job and that career and climb the corporate ladder but is that what you're really driven by because in the end when it comes down to it you have to spend how many hours a day at work so if it's not aligned to your values and um yeah and each step in your career is a stepping stone to the next thing and it might not be what you expected but mm. if you keep like and so and, and in every role you learn more about what you like and what you don't like so then yeah. it's not about the role but it's about what you can get in the role in terms of skills exposure or mm. yeah. Well, I think when we talk about career change, I mean, that whole test and try, like how can you test and try different things in a small way, you know, because it's not necessarily about, you know, quitting your job tomorrow to no. to make this big leap. But I mean, even things like in big organisations, opportunities to take things like secondments, like I know you've had a couple of secondments, yeah. which were, I guess, more of a learning opportunity for you to test, Definitely. you know, did you yeah. like something, but for a period of time do you think those sort of I mean what what did what did you get out of something like a secondment for example I think that um yeah so I was working in the more traditional side of banking at the beginning and then as I did more social purpose work and I did actually a secondment in an indigenous community and I just realized that's where my passion Mm. lay in terms of just really making a difference at the grassroots level and the closest thing I thought in the bank but I I know that like the bank has like there was a lot that the bank had to offer in terms of opportunities to move or to like different like every every business unit is basically a different business in terms Mm. of culture in terms of what they're focusing on so um and the non-for-profit team is one that we have and so I felt like within a bank that would be a place where I could potentially have some experience or see what they do so I reached out to the head of non-for-profits and once again it wasn't for any job or anything just to learn more about what they did and how it worked and then three months later she reached out and said oh this is a common opportunity so it just happened that I was just fortunate Mm. and then yeah, and then other roles came up after that. But I think mm. that it's just reaching out to people who you are interested in what what their what their business is and just learning whether it's shadowing, whether it's a succumbent. And as you meet and talk to more people, you just realise, okay, well, maybe that's something that I'd like to do and you can try it for a little while. But as you say, like it's not about, okay, I will, I like social impact so I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. Like it's yeah. not like that. You can, <laughs> you can still have your day job but then also do things like that, like the boards or like volunteering or like, mm. um, yeah, even just getting a mentor in a different organi- um, different business unit that you want to go and then they can potentially help you with a path to get to where they or just learn from their journey, et cetera. There's various ways to do it. And then if it's something that you're passionate about, then you can consider what you do next. 
And then also like with the corporate experience, there's a lot you can add to the more social impact sector um, by just using skills and expertise that you can contribute yeah. as well. No, that's great. And and I think what's interesting about what you just said then is that it's it is also about finding your people. Like it's certainly finding the thing you're passionate about. But I think sometimes those secondments or networking or finding a mentor, it's also about in some ways, you know, you said the different business units. It's almost in some ways different types of people working in those business units sometimes. So, yeah, I think it's interesting when you're sort of testing and trying things. It's Yes, it's about what feels good in terms of the work, but it's also I think about are you with your people? Do you admire the people you're working with or the boss above you? You know, those sort of things are important too. Yeah. Definitely. I think that, yeah, it it does make a difference when everyone's aligned to the goal that you're trying to achieve Mm. and everyone is genuinely passionate about it. And just one more question on the strategies you've employed. I mean, I was looking at your LinkedIn. You do have more than 7,000 followers, which is quite significant. You know, and I know that not everyone is still comfortable. I mean, I hate to say of our generation, but it's true. There's still people who are not necessarily comfortable with social media at all, or they're not on LinkedIn. I mean, I, I like what you post on LinkedIn because it's it's genuine, obviously, and it mm-hmm. does show the different things you're interested in, which you then get a sense of your values. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that that has been very helpful in sort of bringing certain people or opportunities your way as well. I mean, can you just talk a bit about how you use LinkedIn intentionally to generate career opportunities or to, you know, talk about the things that you stand for? Yeah, I think I just um, post if I go to an event or function and just more about like my reflections on why it's important, like whether it's diversity or inclusion or cultural diversity or multiculturalism or supporting underrepresented groups. And I think that, as you say, that kind of you get connected with people who are like-minded and I think that that's how. And then, yeah, some people have reached out and then we've connected. I think that it's also yeah, you you do write from like I just don't post for the sake of posting, just post like when I feel like there's something that I'd like people to hear or understand or like just um, create awareness for as well. It's also an opportunity to create, create awareness for some of the work that we're doing internally or some of the work that I feel like people may not have been exposed to but would be useful for them and, and it's a very good platform to do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so what's next for you, Marlene? I mean, you've got a lot on your plate already, as we said, including mm-hmm. the wonderful volunteering that you do. But I guess where do you see your career headed in the next few years? What's left for you to do? Um, oh, a lot is left for me to do. Um, <laughs> there's, so much, um, there's so much opportunity and potential. But I think that in terms of the work, I do like the work that I do. So I wouldn't want to um, deviate from that. But I feel like I'd like to make a bigger impact at scale. I feel like giving a voice to those underrepresented communities, I think making it mainstream so people don't have to think about whether it's some supporting people from multicultural background or refugees or people with rare diseases or um, women or parents. I feel like advocating for the underrepresented and just keeping on doing that so then now then it's just mainstream and that people consider that as part of all their business strategies or consider it as part of um, when they're developing product services tools or when governments are allocating funding that those people that I'm trying to support or advocate for don't get left out. So I think that you just got to fight the good fight and keep creating more awareness of different things or different issues like, and making sure that 
um, yeah, bringing other people along for the ride. So, Melanie, just a few final questions to give some tips to our listeners today. So if someone listening was interested to reshape their career in some way to have more of a positive social impact, what's your best tips for them? I think firstly, understand your why and understand what drives you and what success is for you, what your values are and what you, I guess, what mark you want to leave or what what kind of area that really drives you and then I guess go after those opportunities but yeah and just what success means for you and also when opportunities come your way whether it's not something if it's not something you've originally considered or not something that was in your grand plan Mm. um, don't dismiss it but just consider it for what it is consider it for what you will learn consider it for um, where it may lead the people that you might meet and um, often give it a go because you don't know what you don't know and you don't actually potentially know what you're really passionate about or what because you haven't been exposed to it so if something feels a bit left field I mean I'm not saying jump for it but I mean saying consider it and consider Mm. the pros and cons about it and I think that also networking and just being more deliberate about like just learning new things learning about other people's roles and skills and what they do so then you may necessarily find another thing that you're good at that you didn't realise. And then also I guess just um, if you are interested in going to a more purposeful career or more purposeful roles, um, just dip your toe in the water by volunteering or reaching out to organisations who align with your values and see how you can get involved or get involved in internal committees or diversity committees if you're passionate about that. There's always ways to get involved and exposure to causes or roles that might align to your values without actually yeah taking too much of a risk yeah and yeah I mean we talked a bit about the board role side of things too but I did want to ask in terms of retraining would you I think you've done the company directors course is that right is that something that you think is if not necessary but recommended if someone wanted to get into I mean it's a great course to do I mean I think it was very very valuable it was very practical so they really taught you the practical side of the board and about how the board is like the strategic decision makers and and the separation between board and operational and it's it's a great background to have but I mean I think it's not something that you need to jump to necessarily straight away Mm. Um, I think it's something that is very 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 valuable to do but it's not critical to initial board non-for-profit roles. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it just gives you a really good background of governance, et cetera, which is always valuable in board roles. But learning on the job, learning by experience is also very, very valuable Mm -hmm. in my view. And I guess we know, though, that there are a lot of things that can hold women back from making a change, even Mm -hmm. if they really want to make it, from external barriers to their own self-doubt. I mean, what would you say is the biggest barrier that you've had to overcome to make your career transitions? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's always self-doubt, imposter syndrome, all of that. We all have it. Mm. I'm not qualified for this. I'm not good enough, etc. And also, like, this isn't a traditional career. Like, I'm not a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant. But I think that, yeah, it's mainly the internal internal kind of battle. But yes. I think that the importance of being passionate about you do, what you do is like really important as well. So I think that everyone is unique. Everyone is um, has different skills. And so I think that it's always like um, 
you be yourself because everyone else is taken. So you yes. just got to um, be yourself and what you're aligned to. Because I think that if you're passionate about something, you will be successful because it, you'll just be driven and motivated. But if you're not passionate about something and you're not, it doesn't align to your values, you'll struggle to be successful. Yes. And as you say, finding that passion, because I think that's the thing some people struggle with. What am I passionate about? Yeah. It is being really proactive as you have done, tested, tried different things, you know, open yourself up to different opportunities, meeting new people. That is how you find it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what's the best part about your work life now? I think, yeah, just doing something. I feel privileged every day to be doing something that I can see in various aspects makes a tangible difference to people's lives and um, being able to see hopefully yeah, the impact longer term. But, yeah, just being able to engage with people who are genuinely appreciative also of what we do. Yeah, beautiful. So if people want to find out more about you or connect with you, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, yes. connect okay. with me on LinkedIn. So that's just your name, Marlene Raj? Yes. Great. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time today, Marlene. I've really loved hearing about your very interesting career journey. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for this episode of What She Did Next. You can find all of the details about today's guest in our show notes. And if you're thinking about making a career change of your own, then you might want to check out our new online courses or subscribe to our newsletter at whatshedidnext.com.au. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at What She Did Next Podcast. What She Did Next is produced and hosted by me, Jackie Uwe, with production support by Perth Digital. Thanks for listening. <laughs>